This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. You get $10 on no halftime, and you get $10 on no halftime. You get a no halftime t-shirt. You get one too. Oh, sorry, guys. <laughs> Working on my Oprah impression there. I apologize. It, it takes over sometimes. Um, NoHalftime.com is a daily fantasy sports app where you can play player versus player rather than team versus team the old-fashioned way. That's right. I said it. Old-fashioned way. Um, use the promo code CLOCK, C-L-O-C-K, and you will get $10 today. Your friends, your family, everybody will thank you if you give them that promo code and you give them $10. How often does your friend come up and give you $10? Never, never. This is your opportunity to do that for them. Um, also, you can email them or tweet them, send them a message, let them know Clock Dodger sent you, and they will give you a t-shirt, a no halftime t-shirt. Please hit them up and get that t-shirt. Use the promo code Clock. Get your $10. I mean, I don't know how else to tell you to get free money. I can't beg you. You know what I mean? So um, no halftime on your iPhone or your Android devices, nohalftime.com. They are the future, guys. They are the present. When NFL comes around, you guys are going to be mad you didn't get in on it now because this is your chance to knock that rust off and get cracking. Um, nohalftime.com, guys, is where it's at. My other sponsor, the other Clock Dodger sponsor you do not want to forget, Podcast Hotline Kit. Guys, I'm, I'm trying to give you special deals here. I'm trying to put you down on some cool stuff. Um you know, I, I would never steer you wrong. You know what I mean? I've never given you guys bad advice, except maybe when I told you like to start the wrong guy or something, which you're just going to have to, you're just going to have to forgive me for that. You know, we all make mistakes, right? Um, but this is not a mistake. Podcast hotline kit, the best deal you can get on it is at clockdodgers.com. You literally can't find a better price for it. Um, so go to clockdodgers.com, hit the banner, order the hotline kit. If you're doing a podcast right now and you don't have that, shame on you. If you're doing a radio show right now or internet radio show, if you're doing anything, if you have a job where you're using the internet and Skype and, and, and you know Facebook Messenger and all these things, shame on you if you don't have this. You're making your life harder. Work smarter, not harder, guys. Um, Clockdodgers.com to get it. Also, you can just go to podcasthotlinekit.com if you want to pay full price. That's up to you. Either way, it gets the job done, right? Um, shout out to, to Vinny. Definitely the best customer service you'll find in the world. Um, he'll help you set that thing up from beginning to end. He'll get on the phone with you. He'll FaceTime with you. He will literally make sure that thing is running before he gets off that phone with you. Um, so shout out to them again, guys. Support them. Podcasthotlinekit.com. You can get it on Amazon.com. Go there now. Get it now. Thank you for supporting the podcast, and thank you for supporting our sponsors. I love you guys. Let's get with the show. Can I play with them? You are now locked in to the Clock Dodgers Podcast. Clock Dodgers. 
Chargers Podcast. All right, good morning, good afternoon, good evening, whatever time you are listening to this podcast, I hope it's good. Uh, this episode is number 27 of the Clock Dodgers Podcast, and as always, I have a special guest for you guys today. This conversation will definitely be fantasy football driven, however, I'm sure we'll dib and dab uh, in other topics. My guest is a writer for NFL.com. He is the creator of The Reception Perception, and he also runs his own website and podcast called The Backyard Banter. Um, If you play fantasy football and you don't know who my guest is yet just from that description, then you need to step your game up, son. But either way, welcome to the show, Matt Harmon. You've been traveling around a lot lately, but now you're home. How is life treating you these days, my friend? Uh, it's very good. Uh, thank you for that introduction. I, I appreciate it. Um, I would say that I, I've been telling people I'm somewhat glad to be back uh, <laughs> because, you know, I do I do love L.A. It is time, especially with football season, you know, seemingly right around the corner. It's, you know, kind of time to get back to real life. But at the same time, I miss the road already. I, I can imagine. Um, and, and like you said, um, I mean, you're a busy guy. You know, I mean, typically, I mean, you have your hands full. You write for NFL.com. Um, I've seen you're also doing some uh, some work for The Washington Post. Is that correct? Yeah, they reached out to me. Um, I'm actually from the D.C. area originally, so they reached out to me about a year and a half ago, I think, at this No, I, I just about a year ago, maybe, and just wanted me to do some freelancing stuff for them whenever I had time. That was actually was before I was with NFL.com, so in the offseason, I'll do a few things for them as well. Very cool. And then, of course, like I, like I mentioned in the intro, you have a podcast, your website, so you got a lot of stuff going on. Um, obviously... Uh, many people know you, especially in the fantasy world, for your your reception perception articles. Um, for those who aren't aware of those articles, and I mean, without making you break down, you know, the whole science behind it and everything, can you just briefly explain um, what it is that you know makes the reception perception what it is and what makes it special? That you know, it's such a great tool in my eyes. But for those who don't know, can you kind of break that down really quickly? Yeah, sure. So reception perception is an in-depth methodology to evaluate the wide receiver position. Uh, What I do is I go in and over an eight-game sample for NFL players and a six-game sample for college players. And I found that's where the data really normalizes and stays consistent throughout a 16-game or 13 for college players. Um, So what I do is I go in and I chart pretty much every route that they run. Uh, whether they get open on that route, what type of coverage they face, uh, whether the, and then there's some periphery metrics like uh, a contested catch rate and how well they break tackles in space. So really, I'm just telling you pretty much everything that the wide receiver does, and it kind of helps you understand when you see things broken down from a route to route perspective, where they you know win on the football field, what they're doing well, and, and you can kind of tell what sort of player they are, whether that's helping your fantasy team or just evaluating the wide receiver in general. I, I do think it's, uh, I don't know about special, but it's certainly a helpful tool because I think it just, for me, the way I, my brain works, I guess, is it's easy just to see things kind of broken down into a hard percentage because I feel like people, when especially when you watch film or you watch tape on players, you, your brain plays tricks on you. And when you quantitate or you, you take qualitative data and put it uh, into quantifiable numbers, it really kind of helps you almost keep you honest to what you're really seeing. Right. I mean, yeah, like I said, I, I think it's super useful. You know, it's it's like you said, the, you know, the fact that you've broken it all down to all these different, um, you know, metrics in a way uh, it make it to me to me, it's super useful. And uh, anyone who's listening, who who doesn't know of it or isn't really currently looking at it or anything, you know, all the stuff that you put together, um, I highly recommend, you know, they go check it out and bookmark it or whatever you need to do, um, because it, it definitely is useful. Um, so b- before we get into all the wide receiver talk, which, of course, anyone who's listening, you know, sees Matt Harmon, they're like, 
like, oh, wide receivers, I want to hear all about it. Um, but before I get into that with you, um, I just wanted to kind of um, you know, go into like, you know, your podcast and all that kind of stuff and kind of, uh, you know, let people know about that a little more. Um, so for those who don't know, uh, your podcast is the backyard banter podcast and every episode you bring on a new guest who I guess, you know, basically like yourself has made a career out of covering sports. Um, you, you dig into where they started from, you know, they're kind of like the struggles or what, you know, the work they put in to kind of get where they are today. And then, you know, just their story, basically kind of their background. Um, you know, it's really cool. I think for, you know, for, for the guests, of course, to, to get to, you know, talk about that stuff, but also, you know, I feel like for the listener, um, I'm sure many of your listeners want to get into the business, but I feel like not only that aspect, but I feel like it makes those guys human, you know, it kind of, um, not, we're not, we're not just looking at guys who, oh, you know, this is their rankings or they tell me to start and sit this guy. We actually get to know the person, which I think is, you know, super cool. Um, so it's easy, like I said, to see, you know, where listeners, you know, what they get from the podcast and, but what do you, you know, Matt Harmon yourself, what do you get from doing the podcast? Well, I think what you were just talking about there is really a good example of what I get out of is is I get to kind of make some of these people human. I mean, I've met in person guys like Sigmund Bloom, Matt Waldman that I did the first two episodes on. Uh, you know, a few I've done a few of the guys I work with as well, um, and, and uh, even Liz Lowe's is another one that I've met uh, here out in LA. So some of the people I I know, but others not as well. And it's cool for me to kind of put them into a human perspective and uh, just to build relationships that ways is very cool because this is a you know our industry is very much a community and you know make whether that's making relationships for you know we could work together in the future or something like that or just get to know the people in your field i think it's really helpful for me in that sense um also i just i get to hear good stories man like that's the coolest part of it and i think that that's been the surprising thing in the response of the podcast is i did figure that of course people that want to break into the industry that was kind of the target audience i figured that they would be the ones that were really interested in listening to the podcast. But a lot of people told me they just like to listen because the guests tell good stories. And like, I think really I relate so much to, to, to just hearing people's perspectives, hearing, you know, how they got to where they are in their life. Cause I think everybody's got a story to tell, you know, that's the big thing. Like, so something has happened in your life to make your story worth listening to. And I get to hear so much of that through the guests. And I think that's the coolest part for me. I just, I just kind of sit there and uh, occasionally direct the conversation, but uh, the guests really do make the experience. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I, and I totally agree with you as far as everyone has, you know, an interest in the story or, or something, you know, special about themselves that make them interesting. And that's kind of what we do here too at Clock Doctors. There's no, um, you know, one thing that we, you know, as far as guests and stuff that we cover, we just, I just kind of bring on anybody who I feel has either, you know, an entertainment that they can bring to the, you know, to the, show or knowledge and you know sometimes people even wonder like maybe they don't get asked to go on podcasts a lot and i feel like you know you don't have to be famous or you don't have to you know have this big thing that you're recognized for i feel like everybody is um you know unique in their own way and it's special to connect you know with people like that um as far as the guests that come on your podcast i think you've mentioned before they also kind of get something out of it though right i mean it's kind of like you said i think i think i've heard you say like it's almost like therapeutic for them even to kind of talk about you know that process yeah, for sure. Uh, that that also is kind of is really cool for to me for me to give them that experience, I guess, because we we talk so much about football or, or right. whatever sport it is that we're covering. Sometimes it is nice to take a step back and like just talk about something else, man. And I think that uh, being able to show people that that follow them uh, that would listen to my show that that they are kind of you know they're a real person. I think that that's that's enjoyable for. Um, for the guests, I also think that, 
Yeah, just just talking about these things that they don't normally get to talk about is cool. Several of the guests um, have been like, man, yeah, I've never had a conversation like that, you know, on a podcast or even sometimes in in real life. And like, you know, as much as uh, I'll, I'll say this on, on your podcast for sure, like as much as uh, I, I, I joke like, oh, I'm just, you know, I'm just there or whatever. There is a certain way that you ask questions or frame a conversation. I'm sure you know this hosting a podcast that that makes people feel comfortable yeah. and uh, leads them into that sort of like, all right, I can I can share things on this show and, and that kind of stuff. Because there's been a lot of things that have come out about people from the show that, you know, I, I would never have known otherwise and neither would anybody that's listening. So it's it's really cool. I, I'm. I'm glad I, I guess I'm glad I did the, I did the podcast. It's, it's been great so far. Yeah. And is it something that you're going to continue even during the season or are you going to like kind of, you know, put the brakes on it while the football season is going or. Yeah, I'll probably, if I, I made an announcement about this a couple of weeks ago. I think I'm, during the season, I'm going to stop doing the podcast and then bring it back next off season, kind of like a season one, season two sort of thing. Right. Um, just because I don't, I'm already surprised that there's been so much interest in the off season. I feel like there would be less interest in it during the season because you know, uh, people will just be mostly listening to podcasts to get that fantasy football information or, or just information about the league in general. And quite frankly, I will not have nearly as much time on my hands <laughs> during the season right. to, to do the podcast as well. Well, I, for one, think it's very cool, man. And, and I appreciate you, you know, doing that for us. Um, I, I kind of wanted to get your idea on this because, you know, you being a guy who, who got into the industry fairly young, I would say, because I mean, you're what, 24? Yeah, 24. And so you've been in it, you know, at a young age, you know, and then, you know, you have a role with a huge company, obviously, you know, in, in sports, you know, it doesn't really get bigger than the NFL itself. Um, I, I was curious, though, do you think we're entering a time where because of the Internet and, you know, the ease of access to information, um, do, do you feel that maybe necessarily that the traditional route? of getting into maybe a, you know, a career in sports, you know, covering sports or talking sports. Um, you don't actually have to go the traditional route anymore necessarily. Well, let me, let me ask you this. So I'll, I'll answer your question with a question. What do okay. you, what would you say is the traditional route to, well, to get into the, industry? well, I guess, you know, you know, two of the more common ways that you would hear, obviously you had to be either an ex athlete or something like that, where, you know, everyone um, wanted to hear your opinion or, you know, you went to school like broadcast in school or college, you know, and, you know, became a writer or something like that. Um, it, it seems to me that more and more um, people who don't necessarily, you know, have the, the background that they, you know, that they went to college or school for all these kind of things, or, um, you know, went through internships and mentorships and stuff. Um, it seems like more and more podcasts and, and YouTube shows and these kind of things are popping up um, where, you know, before you thought I have to get a job with ESPN or I have to get a job with NFL.com. Do you know what I mean? Oh, for, for sure. Yeah. And I think that um, I think that was I asked the question only because I think the, the one thing I've learned from all the guests is like that everybody comes at this from a very different way. Like right. they decide to get into it for a different reason and then how they get their job is, is very different, varies from, from one man or woman to the next. And I think that the internet definitely makes, I mean, that's how I came up was, was just through the internet. Like right. one day I just decided to, uh, to start a website and, you know, got get on Twitter and start talking, you know, in a different fashion from just following people to actually then engaging and in discussing with, uh, with the other analysts out there just trying to make my name that way. So that's how I came up. And I think that a lot of people can take that path and, and there's certainly much more, you know, not necessarily full-time jobs, but there's so many positions out there, whether it's with a site like football guys or four for four or, or Rotoviz. I mean, there are, that was one thing Evan Silva said, who's the, the head editor at Roto world. That right. was one of the things that he said on the podcast was like, 
you know, back in the what's changed so much is that there's just there just weren't this many fantasy football writers. There there weren't this many people out there. So the the space it's it's hard and competitive to get a real like full time job, make it your sole source of income. It's hard to do that, but you know, it's it's pretty easy to get out there and just get get your voice heard in that way. And I think that the internet is obviously the big reason for that. Right, right. Yeah, I agree. I mean, the internet, you know, is, is beautiful in that kind of way where although, you know, it's open doors to many unwanted things like, you know, trolls, pop up ads, yes. stuff like that. <laughs> it's also opened the door to, you know, like you said, people making a living, um, you know, going that route. Um, th- through doing your podcast, though, do you ha- have you found like I, you've talked to, to tons of people like, like, you know, like we mentioned that are in this um, space. And ha- have you found from any of them one common thing like one common ingredient you know that must have come you know we must have or something to get into this field or um yeah i would say i think the one common theme that comes i don't know whether i can curse on your podcast yeah sure absolutely go for it but i think i think (laughs) think the one theme from from everybody's uh from everybody's show is don't be an asshole like that seems to be the uh the big the big theme here and i think that that's one common thread like just being um being good to, to other people, not, you know, that's something that I think can get you attention, but I don't think it gets you something. I don't want to say something stupid, like it gets you made or whatever, but it, it gets, it gets you respect to just be kind to other people, you know? And I think that's a huge thing. I also think just a willingness to like make sacrifices is everybody has had to make some sort of sacrifice, whether it's a different career path that they potentially wanted whether it's, you know, just time spent with friends or, or even family in some cases, like you have to have a good support system. You know, that you have to have people in your life that are understanding that this is like when you cover a sport, you're really never like off the clock. I mean, right. don't don't get me wrong. Uh, the NFL is not paying me 24 <laughs> seven to, to, or uh, but um, but you, you, there's always something else you could be doing. And I think like that work ethic and the like the intense approach to your craft it it has to be there as well i would say those are the two common themes which are kind of intuitive but also it's everybody also approaches that it from that perspective from a different way yeah exactly i think you know some people you know want you know they say oh i want to do this i would love to talk about sports and you know that's i would love to get paid to do that and i don't think they know that you know these guys like like yourself put in tons and tons of work and it's not necessarily or always um, some nine to five thing you know what i mean it's like um there's a lot more into it like you said a lot of sacrifice there's a lot of guys even in this business who you know especially guys who are just trying to come up or trying to you know make way into it who you know work 40 hours a week then they do this on the side or that on the side you know so um it's definitely hard work but that's but like i said um your podcast is so good um for that you know for not like i said not just for people who want to get into the business but just in life in general um you you know there's a lot of you know gems in your podcast from 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 the guests and from yourself that uh you know i highly recommend people to listen to it for um so i just wanted to kind of dig in a little bit on that um now of course like i said everybody of course wants to talk to you about wide receivers you're kind of that you know that's your thing right now um with with all the information you have um i i got a bunch of you know listener questions of course i have my own questions and 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 things to throw at you but i kind of wanted to jump into some some listener questions that i that i received um so so basically if, if you're ready to go i'm ready to go with some wide receiver stuff here yeah let's do it all right cool um, so the, the first question I got, this was from uh, Mike Helm. He's a Cowboys fan. Um, he asks if it's time for Dallas to move on from Terrence Williams. Um, I know you've written about him and kind of talked about him before in the past. Um, what, what do you think? Do you think, you know, Terrence Williams is ever really 
um, going to measure up to anything in Dallas or is it time for them to, you know, get someone else across from Dez? You know, that was kind of a position that I was a little bit surprised that they didn't address in the draft in any like major way, but they weren't, then again, they weren't really sitting in a place where that was kind of available, I guess. Like you weren't going to take any of the receivers at fourth overall. And, you know, by then maybe in the second round, they took, maybe I would have taken like thought about a receiver there because I, I liked, you know, Terrence Williams for kind of what he is, but I think that's very much the the theme of his, of his career is he is what he is. And, right. you know, he, he's a guy that definitely can make a big splash play. You know, he's never averaged under 16 yards a catch in his entire career. He definitely has some big playability, but I mean, there was a lot of people that when Dez went down early in the season were, were expecting Terrence Williams to suddenly assume, you know, a high value target role. And he's just not, he's just not that type of player. Dallas actually, ironically enough, doesn't even really funnel their passing offense through Dez Bryant enough, in my opinion. Um, right. He's kind of, he's never even cracked 160 targets in his career, which is odd considering, you know, some of the other number one receivers in the league, like top level guys, like he is talent wise. Um, they get, you know, 180, 100, even 190, 200 targets in like Antonio Brown and Julio Jones case. Like you just, Dallas has never seemed to want to do that in, right. in any form or fashion with any of their receivers. But I like Terrence Williams for what he is, but I definitely think it would be prudent for them to eventually get, um, a high value number two in there. Yeah. It's interesting that, you know, even, you know, as long as Dez has been there, there really hasn't been you know, that kind of guy. So it's, it's interesting that they've taken, you know, even this long to, to, to do something about it. Um, but I guess, you know, from their draft picks and everything we can see, it looks like they're going to be, you know, run heavy again, but, um, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll see how that pans out. Um, another question I have here is from a gentleman named at two drink minimum. He asks, uh, does any wide like receiver name? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's a pretty good name. <laughs> does any wide receiver on the, uh, Jags roster, um, threaten the uh, stats of Allen Robinson or Allen Hearns this upcoming season? You know, I think that uh, Rashard Green, uh, he was a slot receiver that they took in the fourth or fifth round last year. I can't remember off the top of my head, but he was a you know third-day pick. I think that he's a quality, you know, number three type of player. He could eventually grow into a decently volume-heavy slot role. But no, I think that um, their target loads are pretty well established i mean even especially alan robinson like i think he's the type of talent i mean anybody that follows me knows how i feel about alan robinson but um i I think that he's the type of player that could eventually grow into that you know 180 sort of target 90 catch player that i think the one thing that people will have to keep an eye on uh this year is just the passing volume of the offense in general uh, because they they did bring in Chris Ivory, they've always talked about being a more defensive oriented and and run oriented team. But I think that the stars of their team are the pass catchers, whether that's Hearns and Robinson, and hopefully Blake Bortles continues to progress. Um, I think that's kind of I think that you have to wonder whether that's the type of team they want to be. Uh, you know, a high value, a high volume pass offense team, uh, or if their defense improves, whether they're going to you know not necessarily be that type of team. So that's the one thing I would keep an eye on, not necessarily any of the other pass catchers. Um, I've never been a big Marquise Lee fan. I think that he can, I think that he can make plays for sure. You can see him get vertical at times, um, but he's definitely somebody that's never like going to, I don't think he'll ever be an NFL starter, certainly not on this roster, but any time in the future. Right. Um, I think he was overdrafted, which it, it is kind of funny that he was the first player drafted among these three wide receivers. <laughs> 
and now Hearns wasn't even drafted, but those guys are ahead of him in the pecking order. I don't think that anybody's going to necessarily threaten their target loads, especially Robinson. Maybe Hearns doesn't. He's not. I don't think he's going to catch, uh, you know, ten touchdowns uh, again this year. He might dip a little bit in targets, but I mean, those are the two star players that are offense, and I think the the passing game will continue to go around them. Okay, so you could see possibly a decline in some certain numbers, but not because of another player, really, just because of the system or the defense and things how it translates, right? Yeah, well, it's hard to catch double-digit touchdowns, you know, on a year-in, a year-out basis. Like, and as as great as um as Robinson is, you know, it's, it's it would be pretty hard to replicate 14 TDs again. And same thing with with Hearns and and 10 touchdowns. Like Blake Bortles is, you know, he threw 35 touchdowns. A lot of that was kind of later on in games. So again, if they're on right. more positive game scripts, you might not necessarily have there might not be that sort of passing success. So yeah, I would say that, yes, you can see some numbers decline a little bit, but not necessarily because there's anybody that really threatens. Gotcha. Gotcha. That makes sense. Um, another uh, question we have here is from at not that Kevin Hart. So I guess not uh, the comedian. Um, he wants to know um, with Golden Tate and Marvin Jones in Detroit, um, you know, what, what can we expect from these two now that, you know, Megatron is no longer there, so it's it's pretty much Stafford's top two targets. Um, what, what can we expect realistic, realistically from these two guys? Yeah, I think that Tate is very much – he's one of my favorite receivers in the league. Not necessarily like he's one of the best, but he's right. just really fun to watch because he's he's – Plays with like a, a bigger chip on his shoulder. Actually, uh, he we have this. We actually shared the same birthday, which I didn't know until I just pulled up his uh, Pro Football Reference page. Oh, that's wow. interesting. But uh, yeah, look at that. Um, he's a little, he's older than me, but uh, both August second. Cool. That's that's neat to know. Um, now now I know why. I like now there's a special connection. Now we see what <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So I mean, he's um he's like definitely plays with a chip on his shoulder, and he uh you know he he cares a lot of attitude, which is great, especially when you're a small receiver. I think you know kind of like we everybody knows Steve Smith is was that guy throughout the entirety of his career. Um, and so he's got a little bit of that vibe to him. He's very good after the catch, but I think he's a, a kind of a, you know, he's a role player and that's not a bad thing, but it's just, you know, again, kind of that he is what he is perspective. Um, you know, he had 99 catches and 90 catches his first two years in Detroit. And I think that we'll see that reception volume hold. And maybe he even crosses a hundred catches this year uh, because he's going to get a lot of targets. But the one thing I would just caution people, and and I wrote a reception perception piece on this, was he can't necessarily fill like the number one receiver role in Detroit's offense like Calvin Johnson did. And I don't think anybody necessarily expects him to. But right. if you're if you're going to strictly extrapolate, like this is what Tate did, you know, and everybody's you're going to see this a lot as the as the fantasy season gears ahead. You're going to see a lot of. Uh, analysts extrapolating the, the splits of Golden Tate with and without Calvin Johnson. And I mean, those would be massive numbers, but that's kind of, again, that's a really small sample size. Uh, so I do like Tate a lot, um, but I don't think he's the number one receiver. But again, he doesn't necessarily have to be. Uh, and the question is, how much is Marvin Jones going to be able to assume outside? Um, because the one thing that you saw him do a lot in uh, Cincinnati was be their field stretcher. Absolutely. He ran over, yeah, over thirty percent of his routes were, uh, were were vertical routes in, in his reception perception sample. But that was one of his lower scoring routes. I think he's much better. While he can get deep a little bit, he's not like a consistent burner in the mold of some of these other you know big play receivers. I, I he scored very well on curl routes, slant routes, and kind of those like working the boundary. He actually has the highest contested catch conversion rate that I've charted for reception perception over the last three seasons. Interesting. Uh, 
Yeah, so I mean, I think that's really the strength of his game. He's a good like possession receiver that you can move the ball through. So again, I don't necessarily think that he's a complete number one receiver either. So they kind of have like a, a you know, a little bit of a two A and a two B, but they're missing that number one guy. So I'm really kind of um, concerned that Detroit's offense just might be not very good uh, without Calvin Johnson. Right. But I think that these two guys will be productive. They're very good players. Um, I just wonder if they're kind of missing the finishing touch of a number one receiver. Yeah, I mean that makes that makes total sense. So, you, so you're basically saying you see the production of, of you know possibility, you see the volume, but you're just maybe a little concerned about you know if they are the the best options, whether that hurts, you know, whether that's a bad thing in a sense, you know, as far as not having a number one. Um, so, so I definitely can see that. Yeah. Um, I got a couple more fan question, listener questions here that we wanted to direct it to. Um, so I had two Raider fans, um, sending questions kind of about the, obviously the wide receiver corpse there, but I'm going to kind of roll them into to similar questions here, but, um, uh, at R Kenny and at Michael Clifford, um, had asked, um, you know, it, first, is there any question, is there any, I guess, is there any chance that Crabtree can do better this season than what he did last season? And then, kind of twofold is can and uh, what do we what can we expect from Cooper and his growth going into the season? Yeah, I, I think those are two really good questions. It's a pretty interesting receiver core. Um, if, if everybody knows about the uh, Allen Robinson call with reception perception, but I think one of the things that I'm actually more proud of was identifying Crabtree as a, a bargain in free agency last year. Yep, you did call uh, that. that was yeah, that was <laughs> just because no, like literally nobody else was on Crabtree. Uh, mo- so. mo- most people didn't even want to draft Crabtree. Period. Like it didn't matter what. Oh round. no, yeah, <laughs> a- a- absolutely. I mean, he was a thirteenth round, at, like at the earliest pick yep. last year. A yep. lot of people didn't were, were really questioning him, and and he did kind of slow down the second half of the season. And he, what's funny is that he led the team in targets. You know, one hundred forty six targets uh, for Crabtree last year. 85 catches, 922 yards, like, and and the nine touchdowns is really what what buoyed his fantasy stock for sure. I think that we'll probably see more targets go to Cooper in his second season than Crabtree last year. That was the the frustrating part about Cooper in fantasy was he was just hardly ever targeted in the red zone, and that mm-hmm. was really where Crabtree was just pacing the team. I'm I'm pretty I'm pretty sure that eventually the team will want Cooper to handle more of the targets and will ask more from him. I think we might see Crabtree's touchdown numbers come down a little bit, but I think he would be he'll be more efficient in his second season, like maybe catch more percentage of his targets if he's just not funneled through the offense essentially. But I think that you know, eighty five catches, nine hundred yards, we'll see we'll see pretty good those pretty similar numbers there. Um, I could see him crossing a thousand. Like it just you know, numbers are so hard to to project year in and year out. Right. But I think that if Cooper continues to improve. Uh, then Crabtree's numbers would be more efficient, even if he's not necessarily targeted as much. And and in terms of Cooper, the, what was so great about him as a prospect was he was like a freakishly polished route runner for a college prospect. Absolutely. He just did, you know, you just did not uh, see many receivers coming out of the draft that that could get open with with you know like a veteran savvy like he does. And that was still apparent, very much so, um, in in his rookie season. Uh, his reception perception from college and rookie a year were, were very similar uh, numbers wise. And I think the one thing that is troubling about Cooper and what he he definitely s- showed this a lot in his rookie year and kind of why he slowed down at times was he's not great at winning contested catches uh, when defenders are kind of, you know, all over 
right. for him or the ball is in the air. That's not necessarily his strength. So that was one thing why I liked players like Kevin White uh, better at, in that draft class, just because I think that he w- had the good route running and the, um, excuse me, and the, uh, the, the ability to play the ball in the air, whereas Cooper definitely that's that's his biggest weakness so i'd like to see a little bit of improvement there but otherwise i mean this is a this is a guy that's going to be a really good player in the league for for a long time and i think he's only going to get better this year um and if he can ever you know get it get his contested catch rate more into like the uh 60 or 70 percent range in terms and not like the 50 to 40 percent range and i think we'll see him become one of the best receivers in the league. I, I just uh, I, that's the one flaw that I think he has right now. Interesting, and, and just curious, um, th- does Derek Carr make you feel better about them, or are or you want to, or do you feel like ah, he's just you know an average core? Because some people don't really believe in Derek Carr, and I understand. I mean, he hasn't proved anything, I guess, um, exceptionally yet. You know, they say some people feel like he's just an average quarterback or just slightly above average. Um, so does he help their their stock in your eyes, or does it not affect it really at all? Yeah, that's a that's a good question and i really would say that like i don't know i guess it would be the best answer um because he was he was great in the first half of the season but then was kind of like sneaky bad the second half of the year right which you know he's still progressing he's still improving but there were some pretty um you know disastrous games down the stretch if you just if you just go back and look at the game log like he didn't throw any touchdowns against Detroit. Then he had a three touchdown game against Tennessee with 330 yards. Um, but then after that, you know, he had a two touchdown, three interception game, a, four, a 41% completion rate against Denver the next week. And then was really like two to two, one to one, one to one in terms of touchdowns and interceptions. So he was definitely got a kind of slowed down the second half of the season. So I don't really know if we know who Derek Carr is yet or how good of a quarterback he's going to be. Um, but I think that he's definitely exceeded his draft stock for sure he's played like a young first round pick not like a young second round pick right the biggest question that i had about Carr coming into the league was how good was he going to be against pressure there were definitely times at fresno state when he had that sort of rex grossman blaine gabbard like duck under pressure and just you know kind of shrink a little bit we've not seen that at all from him in the pros i think that that's something he's definitely gotten a lot better at and he had really a historic jump in just in terms of his productivity from a really shaky rookie season to a really strong second season. So if he could take another step, I think that would just only help the receiver. So to me, I, I see him more of a positive than a negative. I just don't know how, if we know for sure how good he's going to be yet. Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. And um, the the last uh, uh, listener question that I wanted to um, throw at you here today was uh, from Jeff Bell. And he asked, um, and I guess this is more about draft strategy, um, but are wide receivers the hands-down most important position to draft in the first round of PPR leagues? Is that kind of the way things are heading? You know, a lot of people say, you know, no running back, you know, the first couple of rounds, and it's been really successful for them. Um, so he's asking, basically, do you feel like without question, wide receivers are the most important, or do you think, again, it still, you know, dictates by the draft and who you're drafting with and things like that? Well, in a PPR format, for sure, I think the wide receiver scoring is just so much more inflated that I think for sure, and like in every first round, I'd like to come away with a uh, with the first round receiver. You know, I, I've talked about this a lot lately that I, I think that the receiver position in the NFL is so interesting right now because we have this really strong top tier. And then right after that, we've got like a pretty strong and deep middle class, right. but there's a big drop off from those top tier guys and the way they score fantasy points to that middle class. And then, and then after like that in, in fantasy drafts, it kind of 
there's a lot like there's a lot of guys that I think can produce in like a best ball league, but not somebody that you necessarily are going to get a lot of production from every week. Um, but so to me, to answer the question, I really think that the wide receiver position is the most important in fantasy right now. Like I don't feel comfortable if I, with any of my teams, if I haven't plucked two of those top tier receivers. So I like to go wide receiver, wide receiver in the, in the first round and second round, or even, you know, wide receiver, running back, wide receiver, to try and, again, pluck from that top tier. It's just hard to build a good team without him, especially in a PPR league. And and running backs are just, you know, they're inherently fragile. We we saw last year what a complete, you know, apocalyptic wasteland the running back position became. And it's sure. not going to be that way every year. Like, don't, you know, don't get me wrong. You can't just predict the future based on what happened the previous year. You have to look at like all the data and you know 2014 was a really strong season for running backs. So you don't want to overcorrect too much and like really just forget about the running back position completely. I kind of like to do a hybrid of the zero running back theory uh which Sean Siegel publicized really heavily on Rotoviz. You should definitely check that out if you're not familiar with it. Um I like to do kind of like a hybrid of that where I really only want to pick like one running back in the first five rounds and then have, you know, stud receivers just ready to go in a PPR format. So I think it's the most important, but you can't forget about running backs as well. Right. Absolutely. It's always important to say um, for those listening, you know, it, it all depends on your draft, right? I mean, you have to adapt. Um, so, you know, depending on how things are unfolding, obviously, um, that's going to, you know, dictate things sort of. Um, but, you know, definitely, like you said, I, I found, at least for me, that, you know, the, the wide receiver top heavy of the draft you know, seems to always work out the best, especially like you said, with running backs being so fragile, um, as at least last year, like you said, we can't make it, you know, say every year is going to be like that, but at least last year it certainly held true. Um, now, um, that's it for the, uh, for the listener questions we do on, um, on clock Dodgers here, we do play a, a game uh, with all of our guests, um, called foul or no foul. And, and oh, basically beautiful. what we do is I give a statement, whether somebody sent it in or I just kind of came up with it on my own. Um, and when I read the statement to you, um, I basically ask you uh, no foul if you if you agree with the statement, if you think everything is good with it or foul um, if, if you don't agree, if you disagree. And then, of course, why? Either way. Um, so uh, you ready for that? Let's do it. All right, cool. It's that time again. <laughs> Let's play another round of foul or no foul. All right, so this one was sent in uh, by at trade uh, Mastar. That's Mastar, if I'm pronouncing that correctly. Um, his statement is uh, a bounce back season from Andrew Luck is in store. I guess we're thinking hypo- hypothetically here. So if so, um, therefore making Moncrief a steal this upcoming season uh, in, in sense of outperforming his ADP, foul or no foul. Ooh, definitely no foul. Um, I'm big on Moncrief this year for sure. Uh, he's a guy that I think kind of already started to break out last year. Uh, he was playing really well with Andrew Luck in most of the games that they played together. Then the Colts ran into Carolina and Denver, which we know were two of the best defenses last year. Yep. Uh, and, and he had poor games against those. And then right after that, Andrew Luck went down. And that offense was just a complete mess. I remember charting Moncrief this year and, and looking at some of the games when he was playing with Matt Hasselbeck and just, I remember look at one point, like watching a play where uh, Matt Hasselbeck threw a screen pass to, uh, to Andre Johnson. I was like, Oh my God, the combined ages of these guys is like 72 or something. <laughs> what are, what are we even doing here? Um, so yeah, that offense, yeah, that offense really was poor last year. I don't like, I, I, in terms of luck bouncing back, I mean, kind of we'll see about how good he's going to produce you know I definitely don't think he will play as poor as he did last year I think he's a very good quarterback um I don't know if he's necessarily going to be like one of my top four 
fantasy quarterbacks, though, or even maybe top five. We've only seen him hit to hit that ceiling once. Uh, so I don't know how good he's going to produce, but I'm definitely on board with the Moncrief breakout. And, and, and let me just ask you then, separately from that qu- from that foul or no foul, uh, with Moncrief, I mean, right now at the current moment, obviously we're we're still you know out out of ways from the season and, and people doing their drafts and stuff. So um, Mon- Moncrief is currently, I would say, probably flying under the radar. Right? Um, do Do you think come you know the beginning of the season when when most drafts are happening and everything, do you think he's still in you know that 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 spot, or do you think people as as we get closer and closer will get higher and higher on him? You know that's a that's a good question, and and one of the reasons that I've I've hesitated to call him my you know because everybody asks me like okay well who's your Allen Robinson this year, <laughs> <laughs> and I'm I'm always kind of like I don't know if there's 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 not one I don't have one yet to to be honest with you, and and I keep telling people I'm continuing to look, but I haven't found one that I feel that strongly about right. yet. Um, and the only reason that I don't think um, that I don't think Moncrief is that guy, as much as I am sure that he is is going to break out, people are kind of you know they're kind of on him. Right, like he's right. the twenty fifth wide receiver taken in MFL tens this offseason, and that's really where the sharp drafters are. So we'll have to see if like the regular public um, tunes in on that as well. Uh, like I guess in. In a couple of the mock drafts I've done, I did one with NFL.com and one with uh, Football Diehards magazine. I took Moncrief in the eighth round, I think, of both of those drafts wow. or definitely in the Football Diehards one. So I think he's a value there. Yeah, for um, sure. The question is, is he going to is he gonna stay there again, like you mentioned, when when everybody's doing their drafts in August? Because if, if he's a fifth-round pick like he is in MFL 10s, then I think he's kind of being drafted like appropriately. So right. we'll, we'll, I, I don't know. That's a really good question. Interesting. Very interesting. All right. Um, the second statement we have here. Um, if the Broncos start a quarterback that is currently on their roster for the entire season, this upcoming season, uh, Demarius Thomas and Emmanuel Sanders will both finish outside the top 15, foul or no foul? Uh, I'm going to go I'm going to go with foul. And because I don't think both of them will. Uh, if you look at I mean, because one of the one thing I think that is interesting, everybody's like, oh, man, they've got. They've got bad quarterback play in Denver, but they had bad quarterback play in Denver last year. <laughs> that is <laughs> I mean, uh, that is 100% accurate. <laughs> yeah, like I mean Peyton Manning was tough to watch, Brock Osweiler was not much better. But the thing about that's so good about them is that 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 Sanders and Thomas both just get pummeled with targets. I mean, Thomas was 177 targets last year and he finished as a wide receiver 11 in PPR leagues last year. Right. I think that people kind of forget, you know, he did have a good season. I mean, there were definitely some some rougher moments. I've always, I've never been as high on him as everybody else is. I, I think he's, there are definitely holes in his games in term, in terms of how good of a route runner he is. He really only runs like four routes. And even then he's, he doesn't have a lot of strong technical work there. Right. Um, and Sanders is definitely that player. He finished his wide receiver uh, 19 in PPR leagues last year. So I think that, that one of those guys, probably Thomas will still finish inside the top 15. Uh, yeah. Maris was wide receiver 13 in standard leagues last year. So, I mean, if you really, if you just remember what Peyton Manning was last year, what's really changed about the Broncos other than, uh, then he's, it's a different quarterback, but I still think that he'll get bad quarterback play. He'll get pummeled with targets and he'll produce because of that volume. 
so I think and so again, I think it's pretty much the same situation as it was last year. So right. I, I don't really see much changing. So we can't be scared off by Mark Sanchez, guys. <laughs> not too, not too scared. <laughs> not too scared. <laughs> I don't think that I don't think that Hop. I mean, not Hopkins. I don't think that Thomas will you know be a top five receiver in fantasy like we've seen in previous years. Um, but or even probably won't even crack the top ten, especially just there's just so many good uh, guys out there right now. Um, but he'll still be inflated by the volume that that offense will uh, have for him. Gotcha, gotcha. All right, the next foul or no foul? Uh, John Brown is the Cardinal wide receiver to target the highest in fantasy drafts this season. Foul or no foul? Oh, this this must have been sent in to somebody that that knows me because I'm definitely going to say no foul to that. Uh, I love I love John Brown, big big fan. Um, really, all the Arizona receivers are intriguing and are pretty good values right now. None of them are going in the first five round or the first four rounds routinely in MFL tens right now. Um, Floyd tends to go off the board first, uh, which I I can understand because he is. I mean, he's a he's got a really intriguing upside. You know, he looks the part and he definitely dominated in some games last year, especially sure. once he was healthy. So I get that. He has that, that really tantalizing ceiling. And then Larry Fitzgerald tends to go right after him uh, just because he's, you know, he produced a lot last year. I think the one thing we have to worry about with Fitzgerald is that his role really shrank when both Brown and Floyd were healthy yeah. because yeah, if you remember, he was kind of almost playing like a Golden Tate sort of role. His average depth of target was below seven. He was, you know, just not being used down the field. So I think that we kind of have to, and his red zone targets really fell off the map. That was somewhere where Floyd and Brown really paced the team. So mm-hmm. kind of have to remember that, not just look at his season-long stats or what he did to begin the season. So it's not that Fitzgerald's not going to be good. I think he just we could see him kind of take a little bit of a step back if the other two are healthy. And And Brown, I think, really... He really combines the ceiling of Floyd and the floor of Fitzgerald into one player because we know he's got the deep speed, the lid popping ability down the field. We know that, but he was also really, really consistent last year. He was a guy that caught, you know, at one point when, but when all three were healthy, he was still getting used down the field, but also had an over 70% catch rate. That's really impressive. So I've always been a big John Brown fan. I think that he's the best receiver on the team. Um, but that I'm really open to being, to being biased on that one. for sure. All right, great. And then the, uh, the last foul or no foul that we want to give you today is, uh, the statement is a lesser talked about rookie wide receiver will outperform Coleman, Treadwell, and Doxon this season. Foul or no foul? Yeah, I'm going to say no foul because I could see Sterling Shepard being the uh, the most productive one out of them. Yep. Um, He's I, the first it, one that comes to mind for me too. Yeah, well, I mean, if you read Reception Perception, you know that he was really kind of broke the system in his final year in college. He was had an 82, over an 82% success rate versus man coverage, 91.1% success rate versus press coverage. So that which were clearly the two best scores in the class. I think that he's a great route runner. He's a guy that's going to get open routinely. And he's in a pretty ideal situation playing across from Odell Beckham in a pass heavy offense that really emphasizes timing and execution route running. And that's what he's best at, obviously. So I think he's in such a great fit. I could see him being more productive than those other guys. But I think that long term, those three are the best players from this class. Yes. And, and, and I know you've wrote uh, on, on pretty much all these guys at this point for your uh, for your articles. But it, out of those three, Coleman, Treadwell, and Doxon, do you have a preference over those three? So just so the listeners who haven't maybe caught those articles yet know who you kind of like out of them. And also, sure. and, and also, where do you feel comfortable drafting that guy, the one that you that you prefer? 
Um, yeah, it's interesting because just in terms of pure talent, I would have, I had of just all four of those guys, I had it, uh, Treadwell, Doxton, Shepard, Coleman, but, and I think that Treadwell, so again, I think he's the top guy. I think he's the best. While those guys are all very close, I think that he was my preferred top wide receiver in the draft. Um, although I could, un- but I could totally understand like an argument for Doxton or even Coleman or any, right. any of those guys to be the wide receiver one. So it's, it's pretty close. I'm, um, but in terms of fantasy this year, I think Coleman is the guy that I really want to have just because not only is he, again, very physically gifted, he's a guy that, um, he's a guy that's going to get a lot of targets this year. I mean, the Browns drafted him, made a big investment in him. Um, and really the only other guy that, that he would compete for the team lead in targets with is tight end Gary Barnage. I mean, so other, cause if you look at the receivers, it's him, Andrew Hawkins, and then a bunch of other rookies, man, right. it's, or Terrell and they're Terrell, hey, Terrell Pryor still there. Um, but yes, yeah, so I, to me, Coleman's the guy that you want. Um, I actually took him in the fifth round of an MFL 25 that Evan Silva organized. And then 14 team mocker who writes for Rotoviz interviewed a lot of us. And, uh, one of the questions that he, one of the guys he asked me about was Coleman. And I kind of talked about it in that article, uh, if you want to look it up, like why I'm so high on him this year. So he's a guy I think I'd want in fantasy this year, even though I believe Treadwell is the top talent. So, okay. So, so I'm curious because, you know, through our, through our conversation here, um, we have mentioned, you know, certain wide receivers who um, have questionable quarterbacks, right? Um, you know, obviously Coleman is possibly going to be Robert Griffin. Um, we've talked about, you know, the Raiders guys with Derek Carr and, 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 you know, so on and so on. How, how, how much do you think about um, the quarterback of a wide receiver before you draft them? Because, you know, it seems like, you know, regardless of who the quarterback is, even like we said with Demarius Thomas and them last year, you know, their quarterbacks were not, you know, good at all, and yet they still produced. So are, are guys making a mistake when they think about a wide receiver and drafting him and they think about his, his, his quarterback also? Like, for instance, like Osweiler just went to Houston, and some people say, oh, I'm not going to draft Hopkins, you know, Osweiler's terrible. But then again, the Texans didn't have good quarterbacks last year either, right. and, and he and performed well. So do you, is, is it even not even a, there's no purpose in thinking about the quarterback or, or what when it comes to when it comes to think about your wide receiver you're drafting um i wouldn't say that it's a it's a it's a it's a bad thing to to not i wouldn't think say it's a bad thing to consider the quarterback but i definitely emphasize volume over quarterback play and if you look at just you know since fantasy has been played right volume is the most for running back and wide receiver and tight ends too volume targets carries this that and the other that is what correlates the most to fantasy scoring not how well the quarterback is playing deandre hopkins perfect example last year uh when the quarterback play was really really shaky at the first half of the season uh and the defense was bad he was just getting pummeled with targets i mean he had 22 i think against atlanta one week he was just you know crazy volume and that really buoyed his fantasy scoring and then when the team kind of got actually got some pretty decent quarterback play out of Brian Hoyer in the second half of the season uh when the defense got better that volume went down and Hopkins fantasy scoring went down with that as well so uh in this if you again go back and look at the game logs he only had one 100 yard game uh, I think in the second half of the year he was definitely just not the insane producer that he was in the first half of the year so volume will always be the biggest correlation to scoring fantasy points and so it's important to remember that way I would say like I try to be agnostic with quarterbacks and wide receivers, but I will use it to like break ties within a tier, mm-hmm. but wouldn't, I wouldn't drop an entire, uh, I wouldn't drop a player an entire tier down just based on his, his quarterback situation. Uh, and it's just, again, you know, I kind of throw a good example out there. Like I have Allen Robinson and Des Bryant in the same tier. 
you know, with, with, with Tony Roma being a pretty big injury risk, I, I wouldn't drop Dez down to the next tier with like Demarius Thomas, Amari Cooper, Brandon Marshall. But if he, but, but in that, within that own tier, if I want to take Allen Robinson over Des Bryant, then I can use the quarterback situation there to be a bit of a tiebreaker. Gotcha. Gotcha. But it, so, so volume is king. Um, yes. Top of the list for sure. Uh, and, and like I said, that's a good, you know, that's, that's a good, you know, thing to note because some people I think, you know, maybe take the quarterback or, you know, something like that too much into consideration, you know, when drafting, when drafting wide receivers and whatnot. So, um, it was, yeah, my, 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 you know, my good, my good buddy, Marcus Grant's a 49ers fan. Uh, he's, and he, so he definitely, uh, we, we go back and forth on this take a little bit. I really like Torrey Smith this year. I have him wide receiver, uh, 30 overall this year, uh, which is a lot higher than, than most people do. And I can, I wouldn't surprise me at all if he finishes in the top 25, um, because of that volume. If there's right. one thing we know about Chip Kelly, he boosts the play calling volume of his offense. Like they just, the Eagles have ran on average 114 or 115 more plays than the San Francisco 49ers have the last two years like that. He's going to bring up the pace of that offense, whether he's actually a good coach or not. Right. And, uh, the targets are going to be there for Torrey Smith because there's nobody else. And while, you know, Marcus's point is always like, well, what's it matter if 75% of the targets are going to be at his feet? I think that's <laughs> overemphasizing the quarterback play too much when really he's going to, Torrey Smith is, is a pretty good receiver and he's going to get a lot more volume this year than he did last year. So he's like a, a pretty obvious bounce back candidate. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, man, I mean, I, you know, we, 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 I mean, we've gone uh, really deep right now in, into wide receivers. Obviously, you know, you kind of took the deep route with us here. So I really appreciate that. Um, before, before, you know, I let you go or anything, I just wanted to kind of ask you, um, for the clock Dodger listeners who are, who are listening right now, um, can we get two last pieces of advice? One, can you give us one guy, maybe, maybe even you can call him like your Michael Crabtree of last year. Can you give the clock Dodger listeners one guy, um, who maybe they can either you consider the late round sleeper or, you know, someone to target late who can kind of, um, do like what you said with Michael Crabtree last year, maybe a guy that nobody else is thinking of. Um, or I don't know if you've gotten to that point yet, if you found a guy like that yet, but just, I guess, you know, Tory Smith, you feel good about, is there anyone else that, you know, you can give them for, for someone who maybe wants to take one late, like a real chance on somebody. Yeah. Tory Smith would have been the one, uh, but he's risen in ADP since I've started talking about him and Evan Silva and Mike Taglieri of PFF have started talking about him a lot. So I think everybody's kind of on the Tory Smith one. So three, <laughs> I'll give you, I'll give you, I'll give you three, uh, that I like at the end of drafts. Nice. Okay. Um, Willie Sneed from new Orleans. Uh, Kamar Aiken from Baltimore and Stevie Johnson from uh, the Chargers. They were oh, all okay. going in, like I think the du- they'll go in the double digit rounds of fantasy drafts, and I think that they will have startable weeks, especially um, especially Snead and uh, and Aiken. I'm I'm pretty high on. Uh, we know that Rashad Perryman had another knee injury yesterday, yeah. Uh, so I think Aiken is pretty much locked into the top receiver spot. I love Steve Smith; he's my favorite player of all time. But it's a long. He, he they asked him about his comeback today, and he pretty much said, "I don't know." Yeah, and I think that's <laughs> that's about what anybody can say. I mean, what he's a wide, he's a 38 year old, 37 year old wide receiver coming off an Achilles tear. That's that's a long. Those odds are long. I think it was a tough. It's a tough offense to project there in Baltimore because they're like four deep at running back, four deep at tight end, and like seven deep at receiver. But Aiken's the one to me who I think can handle the most targets. He'll play like a flanker slot role, and I think that he's going to be the most consistent. While Mike Wallace, he's another one that you think about too. Like he could bounce back because he's a good fit there. So those Baltimore, those two Baltimore guys are definitely ones to keep your eye on. And Willie Sneed is a reception perception favorite. I'm eventually going to write about him as well. And yeah, I really like I really like his chances to hold on to a starting job, even though they drafted Michael Thomas in the second round. I think Thomas actually takes a little bit more away from Fleener than Sneed. There were times where Sneed was 
playing better than uh, Brandon Cooks last year. Yep. And he had like a really quiet 980 yard season for a young player. Uh, really, is his he's not was not a rookie last year, but his first like year seeing playing time. So he's definitely another one to watch. And Stevie Johnson was really high on last year, and he had some good PPR weeks before he got injured. Um, I think this year that Keenan Allen is going to have you know DeAndre Hopkins like 2015 type of season where he gets a ton of volume and becomes a top fantasy scorer, which he was again before he got hurt last year. Mm -hmm. And I really like Travis Benjamin there, but uh, Johnson's going a little bit later and it wouldn't surprise me if he gives you a little bit better of a floor. Interesting. Those are, those are some interesting names. And just curious, you know how you said with Torrey Smith, like you wrote on him, silver wrote on him and then his ADP started rising. Do you ever keep a name to yourself just to say, ah, just, just hoping that it stays low on the ADP. No, I, I, I don't. Um, and people always get, people always say, you know, whenever you tweet out um, something about, you know, like a, a receiver that you like or, yeah. or whatever, you know, you, there's pretty much like two responses. You either get like, no, wrong, so wrong, or which I don't, I don't get a lot of that because I, I feel like I have pretty, pretty nice followers. So I don't get a lot of that. But then the other one you'll get is like, Shh, no, stop talking about this. Exactly. It's like, but it's, but it's my job to talk. About <laughs> like, I think, yeah, it, I'm, I'm just, I don't know. I pr much prefer like to share the information. Sure. Maybe sometimes like if I'm in like an MFL 10 right now or something and like I chart a player, I'm like, Oh, this guy's going to be good. Maybe I'll make sure that I pick him before. <laughs> um, cause that is frustrating. Like you're, there are certainly times where, um, where, where, well, I'll get sniped because people like last year with Allen Robinson, it was actually pretty hard to get him in drafts because uh, people knew I liked him. And mm -hmm. uh, yeah, so, but hey, that just comes with the territory. Comes with the territory. It's, it's, it's definitely expected. But I was just curious if you ever just keep anyone to yourself. But um, one, one other I'm a thing. Man of the people. Man You're a man of the, of the people. people. Like you said, you got to be uh, giving and sharing and nice. And that's how you get far. So. Um, yeah. it's definitely, definitely your living example of that. Um, one other thing, any one piece of advice, um, obviously because of your podcast, um, any piece of advice for anyone listening that's pursuing, not even just a career in sports, but just their passion in general, um, one piece of advice that you would give that person. Um, you have to, you have to create unique content, whether that's in sports or in any other job, you have to bring something to the table that nobody else does. You know, for me, that was reception perception. That was a really in-depth methodology that, uh, that nobody else was doing. And it's, it's continuing to do that work still, even though I have that job, like bringing that information that, that, you know, you only get from, from Matt Harmon. Like, so you have to find whatever that is for you. And, and I don't know what it is for everybody. And, right. Um, it might take a couple swings of the ax, uh, to, to figure it out. But once you do I think that's the biggest key to success is just finding something that makes you unique, makes you indispensable to whatever company it is that you work for. Right. Be different and go where somebody else isn't willing to go. So I, I definitely uh, I definitely agree with you there. And hopefully everybody was taking notes because between, you know, advice on the industry, your podcast, the wide receivers, you dropped a bunch of gems here. Um, I know you'll be humble and say, ah, oh, no, I didn't, but you did. Um, so hopefully everybody <laughs> took notes. Um, I do, again, you know, want to thank you for joining us. It was an honor to have you on here, of course. Um, you know, can you let the listeners know, you know, where they can find you, you know, how to support your work, all that kind of good stuff. Yeah, you can find me, of course, at NFL.com and TheBackyardBanter.com is where I post the podcast. You can also find it on iTunes and Stitcher and all those other places as well. And that's also where I'm, you know, I'll link back to any reception perception content. I'll put it on Backyard Banter just to keep a little portfolio. And uh, 
You can follow me on Twitter if you if you really want to put up with with my madness. Uh, it's <laughs> Matt Harmon underscore BYB. So yeah, that's that's probably the best way to find everything I'm doing, it, not just football, but literally everything I'm doing. <laughs> well, I re- again, anyone who's listening who for some reason is not following Matt or hasn't you know checked out his site, his podcast, his reception perceptions, anything, um, please do immediately you know following this podcast, uh, Matt. Again. You know, again, thank you. You're always welcomed on in the future. If you need anything to promote or anything like that, just let us know. Um, like I said, hopefully everyone took notes because Matt is now going. Thank you again, my friend, and ha- have a great weekend, man. My pleasure. You do the same. Thank you so much for having me. Absolutely, man. Thank you. And stop. You can put down your pens and pads right now. Um, thank you, Matt Harmon, for dropping those gems for us, for dropping all that knowledge for us. Um, I hope you guys absorbed it. I hope you guys put it to use. I hope you guys, uh, you know, really, really take it and apply it. Um, You can apply it in your mock drafts right now um, and see how it goes. You know, try to put it to work now and see how it how it works for you. I promise you um, everything Matt does um, from his reception perception, the backyard banter dot com, the backyard banter podcast, NFL dot com. Everything he does, he gives 100 percent effort. It's 100 percent legit. And that stuff will help you. You know, I'm, I know he was kind of humble about it on the podcast. He's not going to sit here and brag. It's not his style. But um, that that uh, that reception perception is for real, man. I, I used it last season and it, and it was legit. And, you know, during the offseason, I've been checking it out. And I really like, um, you know, the things that he's come into with that. Um, if you want to follow him on Twitter, if you're not already doing so, um, it's at Matt Harmon, M-A-T-T-H-A-R-M-O-N underscore B-Y-B. Follow him there. And again, like I said, just continue to support our guests who are on the show. If you can message him on Twitter, let him know you appreciate him coming on the show. Let him know uh, maybe maybe something you didn't agree with him on. You know, tweet him at tweet him and something you heard on Clock Dodgers and you don't agree or you do agree that you yeah, he's he's backing up your claim. You know, um, hit him up. Let him know you know you listened to him on the show, you enjoyed it, and you'd love for him to come back on uh, maybe later in the season or you know when the season kicks off or something. So um, just show our guests love because it is I, I hear it from you guys. Um, you guys email me. You guys, you know, message me on Twitter and everything, but sometimes the guests don't hear it. Um, and you can't forget that the guests, um, you know, were on there and, and they're someone you can contact and reach out to, especially Matt. If you have any fancy questions, anything, he's super uh, responsive on Twitter and everything. So reach out to him and, and he'll hook you up. Um, other than that, guys, I don't really want to go into too much stuff because I really want you to absorb, you know, what Matt's given you today from our conversation. I don't want to um, go into rankings or um, go into any, any anything really fancy football because I feel like that'll take away from the conversation we just had and and the information that you you know you were uh, you were given. So I don't I don't want to really dig too far into that. My only thing with me and uh, wide receivers, I don't know if we mentioned it on the podcast, is um, I do take into consideration, especially in the early rounds, like the first, second round. Um, sometimes a third. Um, when it comes to wide receivers, I really like guys who are who, who I feel are sure things. Uh, and of course, there's no such thing as a sure thing, and there's no such thing as a guy who's you know guaranteed to not get injured. But I do tend to um, fall back from guys who are coming off of injuries or who um, you know have an injury history. Um, so just kind of you know guys like Alshon Jeffrey, Sammy Watkins. Um, you know they're 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 hurt. And, and you get worried if it's going to be like a repeating thing. So um, I'm, I would probably not be the guy who drafts them this year um, unless they fall to somewhere that I'm comfortable. Um, Jordy Nelson, for some reason, I feel good about Jordy Nelson. I don't, um, I don't know how much that injury is going to affect him. Obviously, it's a, it's a pretty big injury. But um, for some reason, I feel good about him. Um, 
and so you know he's a guy that if he falls in the right place you know i'll probably take a shot on him and um draft him but other guys you know just i won't tend to get them very often um because i do tend to stray away from um you know injured wide receivers or guys who get injured which seems like often um, i tend to sway away from them early in drafts um late in drafts you could take that gamble but early you know i try to get my sure thing at wide receivers early um but that that's the only thing that i think we didn't mention on the show I don't think we did um, that, you know, I wanted to make sure um, that I got across. Um, I myself do, you know, last season I did the the wide receiver heavy at the beginning of the draft and it did pay off. Um, but I, I like to, you know, to warn people that a lot, a lot of people are, are thinking that's the way to go this year. And a lot of people may do that. Um, let them get stuck in that, you know, in that mentality. You adjust though. You adjust. If they, if you see a bunch of people getting stuck in that, uh, you know, no running back strategy early on, you adjust. You be the one to, to take it to the other side. You know what I mean? And uh don't get don't get caught up in one system like that. Um and and that's how you're gonna win championships in, in fantasy football. But um guys, nohalftime.com, please support the sponsors because they support us. Um so download that on your iPhone or Android devices. If you use the promo code clock today, C L O C K at sign up, you're gonna get ten dollars for free to use on your account. Um, we do have a league on there. Um, I just actually created a new one. So if you if you create a new account, go join the league that says uh, Clock Dodgers League, I believe, and join that and, and uh, send some challenges my way. Also, you know, the new sponsor, which is the podcast hotline kit. Um, I highly encourage you guys to check it out. Um, even if you don't do podcasts, if you're thinking about doing podcasts, if you do radio, any kind of internet radio, um, any anything that you can possibly do with your phone and you know, recording it or broadcasting it, I highly suggest you get this. Um, he has a special deal just for Clock Dodgers. Um, if you go to the website, clockdodgers.com, you will see that deal on the banner on the far right. You just click the banner and you'll go straight to ordering it um, at, at the discounted rate. Um, so definitely do that. Shout out to my uh, cousin Vinny out there. Um, also, clockdodgers.com, if you guys haven't signed up for the newsletter yet, please do so. Um, you'll see the pop up when you first go on the site. Typically, after a couple minutes, it'll pop up if you haven't already signed up. Um, also, lots of good articles on there. Geeky Bugle rankings. We actually have um, a fantasy football league that we started with 32 teams. And we did something unique this year where we're actually me and another host of a podcast. Mike is actually he's actually uh, he's the host of the uh, Fantasy Life OGs. And he's going to me and him are going to actually draft the GMs before we even do a, a, an actual, you know, fantasy draft. We're going to do a GM draft to get, you know, to pick the GMs that are on our, our division, basically our 16 team divisions. Um, <clears throat> so it's really interesting, really unique. Um, and that's the beauty of um, being around a lot of people who are super diehard into fantasy football. Um, you, you, once you have that, um, you know, that extreme activity from those kind of guys, then you can start to really build on that. So this is going to be a really fun league. So check out the rankings that were done by Shane, a.k.a. Swagzilla on clockdodgers.com. Um, he breaks it down a little bit for you there as well, you know, as far as how the league is constructed and what we're doing exactly. Um, so check that out. Um, again, clockdodgers.com has a bunch of cool stuff. I actually added a, a voicemail system on there. On the right side, you'll see a little bar. If you click that bar, you can actually leave a voicemail. I'm just testing it out because I want to see how it goes. Um, so it's going to be kind of a limited amount of people that can do that right now. Um, but if you do that, you have a chance, an opportunity to have your voicemail actually played on the podcast. So whether it's a question, uh, whether it's just a message you want to send to the listeners, um, whatever it may be, um, this is your opportunity to be heard on the podcast. 
Um, so literally, it's right on cloudodgers.com on the sidebar. Click it and send your message, and I will check that out. And um, you know, maybe we'll have some kind of contest or something in, in the in the future uh, utilizing that. Um, like I said, I do have some cool little uh, some cool little clock dodger stuff coming, some swag, and uh, there will be contests for that. So you know, that's why I stress. You know, if you leave a review on on iTunes, um, you'll you'll be entered in contest. If you sign up for the newsletter, you'll be entered in contest. Um, there are certain things that. You know, for those who go the extra mile, who who do the extra level of support, you will get stuff um, that you know because you should be rewarded for your you know for your for your uh, for your loyalty and your support. I can't you know I, I'm trying to find ways to you know to thank you for it. I appreciate it. Um, so um, you know that's all that's what we're about here. You know, is giving back and doing things like that. So um, just be on the lookout for for stuff like that. It may be on the podcast. It may be on clockdodgers.com. That's why you got to visit both. Um, because there's things you may hear on both, but there's also things that may be just exclusive to that one spot, um, to that one platform. Same with Twitter at clock Dodgers, Instagram at clock Dodgers. Um, you want to follow me in all these places to make sure that you're getting, um, everything that comes out of, out of clock Dodgers, all the breaking news, all the big news that we do, the guests that we have on. Um, so definitely, um, you know, follow me on all those locations and we're going to, you know, open things up here, guys. We're going to just keep, keep opening it up, keep pushing the barriers, keep pushing the limits keep getting, you know, more and more guests on here, more interesting conversations for you. And I always, I always ask you guys, if you have any questions, any, anything you want to be heard on the show, foul or no fouls, any guests that you really want me to reach out to, um, or, or you want to reach out to and, and, you know, be the ambassador and bring them over to clock Dodgers to get them on the show. You're more than welcome to do that. Um, so go ahead and do that. If you'd like shout out to everybody doing their thing. Um, you know, this podcast isn't just about sports. It's not just about fantasy football. I, you know, we do this to entertain you, to motivate you, um, to give you knowledge, to educate you in some way, shape or form. Um, so shout out to anybody who's doing their thing, anybody who's hustling, anybody who's following their passion, anybody who is doing something when everybody else laughed at them for it. Um, anyone who's doing something when everybody told them that's not going to work, man, that's not going to work. Why are you doing that? Shout out to you. Shout out to you for grinding like that, um, because you know, that's what this is about. Um, it's not about, you know, it's not, it's not whether you make millions of dollars off of something. It's not whether you become a celebrity. It's just that you do it. You do what you love you don't fit into the system because that's what they tell you to do. Um, you do what you want to do because this is your shot for that. Um, and that's what clock Dodgers is here to inspire. So like I said, it's not always going to be a sports guest. It's not always going to be uh, fancy football related. There's lots of other stuff that you need to be educated on. Um, that are that are so beneficial to your life and so we'll continue to rock that out on here too um let, let's go ahead and end this thing because i don't want you to slip away on that knowledge take that notebook that you have right now take those those facts that you you know that you wrote down in your brain those notes that you jotted down in your brain from matt and start going out there and applying them put it into your rankings put it into your personal uh you know your notes and uh as always guys as always be kind be great keep dodging thank you for listening don't forget to stop by clockdodgers.com and follow us on twitter
Nobody builds 5G like Verizon builds 5G. Because we're the engineers who built the most reliable network in America. And the more you do with 5G, the more building it right matters. The more your network matters. The more Verizon engineers going the extra mile matters. It's us pushing us. It's Verizon versus Verizon. 5G built right from America's most reliable network. Most reliable based on rankings from Rootmetrics second half 2020 U.S. report of three mobile networks. Results may vary. Award is not an endorsement.